Uh, Terry, come up here, Brother Terry, if you would. Hey, anybody heard anything about the election? Okay, nobody, just me. Um, Terry came and reminded me of something about the election. I thought it was so good. I said, why don't you just say that to us tonight? Well, it was a lot of things that I told Jonathan. My heart's been a little heavy. Has anybody's heart been heavy? Of what they're hearing from the kingdom. I mean, think about what you're hearing from the Christian community, okay? Now, I don't necessarily agree what happens in Washington. And I'll be honest, Biden scares the daylights out of me because socialism doesn't work. It does if you're a country that has unlimited resources called money, but it's never worked. History's proved it. But in that... We need to keep encouraged this one-on-one -on -one with the Spirit as our focus because, I, you know, I read the book of Revelation, okay? How many have read it? It ain't going to get any better. You know, I said I didn't have a scripture, but during worship, God gave me one. This is Matthew 24. You know, when the disciples were questioning the Lord, you know, his answer was that, and I'm reading this out of the Passion Translation. I just like the way it reads. At that time, deception will run rampant. This is talking about, you know, they were asking, when are we going to know when you're going to be coming back? Okay. So beware that you are not fooled, for many will appear on the scene claiming my authority and saying about themselves, I am God's anointed, and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars nearby and revolutions on every side with more rumors of wars to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears for the breaking apart of the world system is de destined to happen, but it won't yet be the end. It will still be unfolding. Nations will go to war against each other and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be terrible earthquakes, seismic event, epic proportions, Horrible epidemics and famines in places, place after place. This is how the first contractions and birth pains of the new age will begin. There's a lot of stuff that's got to take place. And if you read, if you do anything, reading into Revelation and over the years, you know, I come out of a Baptist background where the biggest argument was pre or post tribulation. You know, there were so many fights over that. It doesn't matter. You know, if the Lord takes us out before the tribulation, hey, great. If he doesn't, we better be prepared and we better be unified together with Christ or each one of us is going to fall away. Okay? There's a reason the body is the body of Christ. You know, I'm not the hand, I'm not the foot. Well, you know, it takes unity on all levels, you know, when we have a disagreement, I grab on, and I, I believe Jonathan will agree with me, we both grab on to this, iron sharpens iron. So we start digging in going, okay, Lord, show us what you've got in this for each of us. And we both grow from what we initially was a conflict. And he brings us closer together. In this day and age, we've got to be that close We've got to be that vulnerable with each other and willing to say, 
Luke, man, I got a problem. Let's pray through it and figure it out so we can be stronger. You know, we can't be afraid of what we hear, what we see, because it's not going to get any better. You know, I've gotten to the point, it's like, I hear this deal, you know, all these stimulus checks, you know what I'm reading into that? And I may be wrong, but, and I'm not prophetic, but, you know, the society gets dependent on credit cards, stimulus money. Does that say anything to you about what's fixing to come? There's got to be a one world money system toward the end. It's talked about in the Bible. So why does it surprise anybody what's happening? I say bring it on quicker because that means the Lord's coming back quicker. That's right. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I was praying with uh, Doc this morning. We were talking a little bit about this. Go to Luke chapter 12, if you would, uh, with me, guys. Luke chapter 12. I want to say just a word about where we're at in, in this uh, raucous season, the elections, and just how much fear there is. I don't know if you remember, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, I believe, Doc brought the word about uh, fearlessness in 2021. And man, is that ever needed right now. If you turn on the bad news, because that's what it is, you turn on the news and it is bad all the time. Uh, I don't know about you, but you very quickly feel like you're underneath you're underneath and the waves and the billows are rolling over the top of you. The, the worries, the fears, the anxieties, the what ifs, the wickedness, the immorality, the lies, all that, it's just sweeping over you. The anger, the vitriol on TV, and you can feel very quickly underneath it. And we can lose our perspective really quickly. And we forget that as we, we were talking this morning, we are seated where everybody in the heavenly realms, where Christ Jesus is, is the right hand of the Father. That's where we're seated. And so our interaction with the earth is from the top down, not from the down looking, from the underneath looking up. Our interaction is one of authority. Jesus standing before Pilate, Pilate said, don't you know I have what? Authority to save you, to kill you, to save you. And Jesus said, you don't have any authority except what? What the Father has given you. How many leaders are put in place apart from God's will, everybody? None. Zero. Zero. That's hard to hear because we're like, well, why would God allow evil people on the planet? Why did he allow me as an enemy to stand before him? Before? I don't know. Why does God allow evil? We'll talk about that another day. But the scripture's super clear. He appoints one leader to bless a nation and he appoints another leader to judge a nation. And the only images I've had in my mind the last two weeks is of a little child over their father's knee, loving, drawn close. But there's a little bit of a spanking that comes. There's discipline because the Lord loves us. The other image I've had is me as kind of an overweight guy standing in front of the gym with my knee-high socks on and my shorts that are too tight and my shirt that's weird. And my shoulders are just slumped forward like this. Like, I don't want to go into that gym. And Jesus is my personal trainer saying, come on, we can do this. You need to shed a little bit of weight. Let's go inside. And I'm like, I don't want to go inside the gym. Please don't make me go. And Jesus is like, it's all right. You need to lose a little bit of weight. It's really important that we do this. I'll go with you. And I believe I'm the church saying, I don't want to go in. I don't want to go in for the exercise that's coming right now. And we've prayed and we've fasted and we've said, Lord, don't let it be. And it's here. So what do we do now? We rejoice in 
all circumstances. And we rejoice in tribulation. And we say, Lord, you're the one that's done this. Your ways are higher than our ways. And so we're going to press forward in faith. Amen? We're not going to make decisions on what our eyes see or our ears hear. Census? Are you kidding me? I've got to take my pregnant wife to Bethlehem on a donkey? What dangers might I run into? My wife could have the baby on the way. There might not even be a hotel available. The Lord's ways are higher than ours. And he is going to get this done. All he needs from us is faith, trust, and fearlessness. Luke chapter 12, verse 30. The pagan world runs after all these such things. What about this? What about that? What are we going to do then? And your father knows that you need them, but seek his kingdom And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been well pleased to give you the kingdom. Do not live in fear, little flock, for your father, who's taking such good care of you, he's been well pleased to give you the kingdom. This is a word for yours truly tonight. With all my kids and my wife and thinking about the future and all that's going to happen, do not live in fear. I'm actually in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. I've got authority to bind and loose with the keys of the kingdom. Nothing can touch me apart from the Father's will. I'm invincible until he's done with me. Come what may, may the name of the Lord be praised. I'll take the good from the Lord and the evil from the Lord at the same time. Okay, so that's what I have to say about the election. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask in Jesus' name that you would transform us by the renewal of our minds as we look into your scripture more tonight. I pray, Father, that you would correct our wrong ways of thinking. I'm asking, Lord, that you would fill us freshly with hope and joy and gladness in the Spirit tonight, God. Lord, we need you this year more than ever. We've always needed you, Lord, but thank you for heightening our awareness. And so I just ask now, Lord, for the peace of the Holy Spirit to descend on each heart here, and I pray for distraction to lift off in Jesus' name. And I pray that you would speak clearly, Lord, about what you put on my heart tonight. Help us to grow in our love and affection for you, Lord, and our desire, yes, Lord, our desire for the next life, Lord, for our desire to see your appearing. Help us to grow in our desire. I pray that love for the world, you know, that's the deal, guys, right? The Lord is helping us not love the world so much because this world has been anti-Christ from day one. We just thought it was nice. And we thought in the 50s, the leave it to be, that was the way it was supposed to be. The reality was there was poison in the well back then still. There was poison in the well back with the founding fathers. There's been poison since Adam and Eve. There's been great things that have happened here, but this world is not our home. Unless we get too comfortable here, we think that. So what he's doing is he's helping us. He's opening our eyes to say, oh, this has never been my home. Even though it feels like the millennial reign in America in some ways, it has for about 200 years because of his blessing and his favor. But I'm telling you, he's helping open our eyes, saying, no, this was never your home. 
We're setting our hearts on a pilgrimage. We've got a better inheritance. We've got a better city. We've got a better place. And so for those who love the world, this is hard. But for those who are longing for his appearing, we're leaning into it more and more. May we all grow in that. Hebrews chapter 5, if you would, guys, go to that. Hebrews chapter 5. In October... Joanne stepped up on the 10th and she shared a word out of Isaiah 26. And she says, uh, she read that when the Lord's judgment is in the land, the people of the land learn righteousness. When the Lord's judgment is on the land, the people learn righteousness. And that same night, I, I talked about something that was really a, a, a shift for me in my heart, which is the mandate that we have in El Dorado with the oily mandate and the end times oil, the wise virgins that had oil at the midnight hour and how we're in an oil town prophetically and historically. And that was our assignment here. And so we kicked off with a midnight prayer call after that. We went to midnight praying and worshiping. In November, I talked to you about Paul's seven-city missionary journey in Acts 13 and 14. Remember that where he kind of made the loop and he went from one to the second. And each city he went along, each story got a little bit tougher. And then he got to Lystra finally. He was, he was, kind, of, he was kind of pushed back against in every city he went to. And then he gets to Lystra, which is, I think, number four, number five. And he gets stoned and left for dead. And, um, and then he gets back up and goes into the city. And he had to push, push through in Lystra to get to Derby because there was this massive gospel breakout. And I talked about in November that we are entering on a path of suffering as God's people. And we don't need to live in fear about that. That's the reality of what we're walking into right now. There's some discipline and there's a workout coming for us all. And it's going to be really, really good. But let's make no mistake, uh, this world is antichrist. And so uh, Paul had to do that so he could get Timothy out of Lystra, the young man. It was a beautiful uh, revelation to me when I saw that. But this theme, and then we get to December 12th. And I wasn't trying to put all this together, but I preached on the trials of preparation and how the Lord was doing so much with Jacob in dealing with his fear through trial. He was doing so much through Joseph's brothers in dealing with their fear through their trial. And he was dealing so much with Joseph through his trial and how trials and sufferings were actually refining their faith and he was preparing them. Well, guess what? Tonight, I want to talk about trial and suffering and what I believe the Lord is saying in this season and the difference between evading and embracing, the difference between with suffering, uh, trying to do everything we can to avoid it and trying to look with expectation for what the Lord's going to do through it. And so I'm reading in chapter five of Hebrews this last week, and I read this. During the days of Jesus' life on earth in verse seven, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Wait a second, I thought Jesus in the garden said, God, please let this cup pass from me. Please let it be done some 
other way. Not my will, but your will, but God, Daddy, Abba, please, not this way. Can you imagine the heart of the Lord with your boy asking you, please? And Jesus offered up prayers and petition and fervent cries and tears, and he sweat blood, and he called out to the one who could save him from death. And then what does it say? And he was heard. Come on! He got killed. He wasn't heard. I'm arguing with God. How do, how do I square that? And I had to dive into this and I really had to wrestle this out. So I'm like, how can I say, Lord, let my son not die of cancer. And then he dies. And then I say, God heard me. Yes. What is up with that? That's ridiculous. And so I start pressing into this and I'm, I'm seeing that the Lord's ways are higher than my ways. I put all my eggs in this 70 year basket, all of them. Because what happens here is for eternity. No, it is not. This is temporary. What happens in eternity is for eternity. We're about to start living. We're in the womb. God's thinking trillions of years from now, not 70 years from now. Praise the Lord for me. What God was saying was, I have heard you. I can't save you from death unless I save you through death. Jesus says, save me from death. And God says, I will save you from death. And I'll save everyone from death who believes in you. But to do that, I've got to save you through it. You have to go through the valley of the shadow of death first so that you can sacrifice for all mankind and they can live forever. Jesus is living or dead right now, everybody. He's alive right now. He was heard. He's living forevermore. He's alive and well. He's the only man that broke through death. Every other God died. Every other dictator died. Every other ruler died. Jesus, he's alive. God heard him. Jesus said, save me from death. And God says, yes, I'll save you through death. I'll do something better. I'll break the veil and I'll make a way for everybody to come in. Son, though he was, he was made perfect. He learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus had to learn obedience. What are we talking about? Jesus had to learn as a child to read, didn't he? He had to learn how to walk and talk. He had to learn obedience as a man through what he suffered. And he set the example, the template for us to walk in. A wild thought. So go with me to your right, to James chapter 1. This is what the author of Hebrews said. We don't know who it was, but we know this is what James said. Consider it or reckon it or let your mind believe in full assurance that this is pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know, you've been convinced in your minds that these trials, that the testing of your faith is doing something. What is it doing? It's actually producing. Did you know you have a manufacturing plant inside of you for production? And trial is the name of that manufacturing plant. And it comes in and it produces this thing called perseverance inside you or endurance inside of you. Now it's important for you to not run away from trial and difficulty and all kinds when they come, because there's all kinds. 
It's important for you to let perseverance finish its work in you. You know, it's important to have a good marriage to not get divorced in your first fight. Yes? It's important to persevere in your marriage. There's redemption. But it's so sweet when you've been married for umpteen years, right? It gets sweeter over time in the Lord. It's really important that you don't run away from that because there's goodness on the other side of that. You have to let that do its work inside of you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, the weight of it sitting on top of you. Blessed is the man who doesn't squirm out from underneath that and try to get anywhere else but underneath the weight of that trial. Blessed is that man because having stood the test, he will receive the crown of life the Lord has promised to those who love him. Streams in the Desert says it this way, never run from suffering. Submit to God's chosen way of making your soul, listen, strong and brave. Suffering and trials are not wasted time. Suffering and trials, God's way of making you strong and brave. Suffering is God's gift to us. Amen? Don't we love it? Isn't suffering so great? Yeah, buddy. That's what James says. Let's see if we have any similar thoughts to our right and from our friend Peter. First Peter chapter one. James says, consider it all joy, pure joy, because of what's being produced in you. Peter says it this way in verse six. In all this, you should greatly rejoice. So now for a little while, you've had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, here's the word, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So there's this production mill inside of you in James chapter one, producing perseverance. And here's the fire and you're rejoicing with this. And Peter says it this way, the fire is resulting in the gold being refined and the dross being stripped away from us. So we got the writer of Hebrews, we got James, we got Peter. Let's go all the way back to Romans chapter five. And we got good old Paul. Romans chapter five, Paul says it this way. Not only so in verse three, but we actually glory in our sufferings. So hold on. So you've got James saying, consider the sufferings pure joy. You got Peter over here saying, you should rejoice greatly in your sufferings. And then Paul's like, take it a step further. It's like a crown. (laughs) You should receive glory from your sufferings. Be like, the Lord must love me. Come on, isn't that fun to say? The Lord must love me right now because he's doing something inside of me. Deep, deep, deep. We should glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering, here's the word, produces that production plan, it produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we've got Jesus who was made perfect through his sufferings as the template, as the model. And now we're supposed to walk in this as believers to grow in our faith, 
That sounds like something not many people would want to sign up for. And that's the whole point. The way is narrow. The way is not wide. This is like the few, the proud, the Marines. This is like, are you ready? It's going to be really, really good, but no strings attached. You're going to suffer. You want to be like Jesus? Anyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Promise. In this world, you will have troubles. By the way, secret, life hack, troubles come for non-believers too. They just deal with it differently. You're going to have trouble. What do you do with it? How do you respond? Do you see trouble? I got a guy came in my office, um, a coworker, came in my office, just devastated. He had, he had a bad uh, news, uh, a bad report from a doctor about his health. Could be bad. And he's just tender about it. He loves the Lord. He's a believer. And we sat there, easy for me to say on my side of the table without suffering with whatever he might be suffering with. But I'm telling him this. I'm like, you are so blessed right now because the Lord has seen fit to take you through this. Now, by the way, I'm praying for complete healing in Jesus' name. I don't want to see him go through this. But I'm saying, Praise the Lord, because even the scare of it is doing something in your heart. Because 1 Corinthians 15 says, let nothing move you. And man, I get shifted by stuff, right? Bad news, health, relationship issues. I get moved off the ground of faith. And Jesus says, let nothing move you. And this news is moving you. So what we're going to do instead is embrace the suffering, embrace the cross and say, not my will, but your will be done. Let my life glorify you whether I'm dead or alive. Lord, do whatever you want to do with me. Yes, I pray for healing in Jesus' name, but I'm not going to run away from this. I'm going to let it go deep in my heart and expose what needs to be exposed. Paul says to the Philippians, I want you to know Christ. He's our template for suffering. And this is how I want you to know Christ. I want you to know him in the power of his resurrection. We want to minister resurrection life. We want to see the sick healed, the dead raised. We want to see emotional wounds be completely healed in Jesus' name. I want you to know the power of his resurrection. And on the flip side of the coin, I want you to know the participation of sharing in his sufferings. That's how you know Christ. You participate. Did you know that Christ is suffering today? It's true. Paul, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Jesus is feeling it, isn't he? When his people hurt, he's feeling it. Now he's not suffering physically. He's already, he's already pressed through. He's on the other side. But I'm telling you, Jesus' heart, he's interceding for us. He's, we are his hands and feet. He's feeling. When somebody touches you, he says, they touch the apple of my eye. He is getting hurt when people are touching us. He feels it that deeply. God is the ultimate sufferer. Why would he do that to himself? He's setting a model for us. We're made in his image. Why would he send his own son to do it that way? The Lord's ways are higher than our ways. I'm telling you, no one suffered more than the Lord God, watching his son suffer on that cross. No one suffered more than Jesus. These sufferings that we have, Paul says, are light and momentary, but they're actually working. And and actually that word there in 2 Corinthians uh, 4 is they're actually creating 
a glory that's way, 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 way beyond what we can compare. Okay, so this helps me think of that passage. Um, let's say we're doing uh, a 5K walk because I can't run 5K. So I'm going to go walk a 5K and we're raising money for the Pregnancy Family Resource Center. And I go to a super rich guy and I say, I'm going to do the walk and I want to see if you would support me. Would you sign up for 10, 20, 30, 50, $100? And he says, I would love to sign up. Here's $5 million for the Pregnancy Family Resource Center. I'm like, Wow. And then I wake up the morning of the walk. I'm like, I got to be there at seven and I am tired. I do not want to get out of bed right now. And I drag myself out of bed out of sheer willpower and determination for the babies that I'm going to help save. And I get there and I start walking and I get a block in. I'm like, can we just stop, please? This is hard. This suffering is different. I walked a hundred yards. What are you talking about? That's so light and momentary for what you're about to get on the other side. Walk a little bit further. It's $5 million for you. And Paul's like, y'all haven't shed any blood yet. These are light and momentary. He didn't text me back the way I wanted to. She looked at me and she's talking behind my back. That coworker, jerk just frustrated about relationships. I'm like, we got to grow up a little bit, right? We got to grow up. And Paul's like, I love you. Love you, Jonathan. But it's light. And it's, it'll be over like that. Momentary. The election, I'm hacked off. The this and that happened. I'm just going to pout. Wait, wait, I thought we were supposed to rejoice in all circumstances. Praise the Lord. Have faith. No, 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 no. This is actually working something way more than $5 million. Way, 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 way more. It's beyond comparing. How could you compare a little walk with $5 million for PFRC? You can't. It's like, you can't, it's not even on the, in the same universe. Multiply that by a trillion. And that's what we're talking about. You going through sufferings the right way, because Hebrews 12 says, if you learn from it, it produces a harvest of righteousness. But you don't have to go through suffering the right way. You can complain your whole way through it and you get nothing out of it. Remember, blessed is the man who what? Endures under the trial. You don't have to stay underneath it, church. So light and momentary, and I'll finish with this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, what we've talked about doing with our sufferings is counting it all joy. We talked about rejoicing. We even talked about glorying in our sufferings. And here's the bada bing. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, because of that, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And this is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults, hardships sufferings, persecutions, difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. Now, either Paul needs psychiatric help or he's got some revelation that I don't have yet. Paul actually 
in 2 Corinthians 12.10 says that he does more than rejoice. He does more than count it all joy. He does more than glory in it. He delights in it. Isn't that nuts? A little bit nuts? I mean, it's like, I don't know how to think about that. This is one of my favorite, Hebrews 10 says, you joyfully endured the plundering of your possessions because you knew you had a better possession in heaven. I'm like, man, that's hard to, to think about. That's a different mindset. And that's why I prayed before I preached. I said, Lord, you gotta change our minds. We got wrong ways of thinking. We got upside down ways of looking at this world and at suffering. And so would the Lord help us to see suffering as what it is? Charles Spurgeon said it was the big black rain cloud that would come and that you could either get super discouraged about it and live in despair, or you could start praising the Lord for the large drops of water that were getting ready to come out of that rain cloud. The drenching of the Lord's provision is love and his grace. Two ways to look at suffering. It is coming. Whether Jesus returns in the next decade or when we're all dead and gone, we know suffering's coming. The question is, what do we do? Do we cherish it? Do we delight in it? Or do we waste it in our resistance and our rebellion? Don't waste it. I want to encourage you, don't waste it. Do not live in fear, little flock. God's giving us the kingdom. We're receiving the kingdom. We are co-heirs with Christ if we suffer with him, Romans 8 says. First, uh, 2 Timothy 2 says, we'll rule with him if we suffer with him. Suffering all over your New Testament, all over the place. We have a good doctrine of this. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would teach us to suffer well. I pray, God, that you would teach me, God, teach us to value the faith that's refined, like you value it like gold. Lord, we've just been accustomed to doing anything and everything to protect us from danger and harm and any inconvenience at all. And so this is an uphill battle here in Laodicea, but I'm praying you do a miracle for us, Lord. I pray, Father, for a new mindset about these light and momentary afflictions. I pray that we could cooperate with what you're doing, God. So I just pray. I'm going to ask Savannah, if you would just play for us a little bit. It helps me to... Let me think a little bit. Lord, I just pray now in Jesus. I want to just invite you guys to, to go back to what we've kind of discussed tonight, what has been shared. That revival is coming. Shaking off a spirit of heaviness. That he's after unity. Getting our eyes off of each other and onto him. He's after mixture in our hearts. Salt loses its flavor when we're mixed with the world. God's the one that's ordained rulers. He's put people in power. He did, not me. And suffering is not the bad thing that sometimes we think it is.
Watchman Nee says, we don't learn anything except through adversity. That's a big statement. But honestly, as I look back, it's true for me. I don't know about you, but I have learned the deepest, most powerful lessons through adversity. So I just want to invite you with me, if you would, just to lift your hearts to the Lord and say, Lord, would you expose any wrong way of thinking in me? Would you change my heart, God? Change my mind? I don't count it pure joy when I face trials. I don't even think anywhere close to that, Lord, but I want to. If you ask, you'll receive. And the Lord will change your heart and change your mind.